Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and trusty producer back from the road again, Max Kerman. Max, what's up? Hey, uh, you know, happy to be back here for 24 hours, and then I'm out on the road again. <laughs> We're also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Christen Cunningham. Crane. Crane? What's up, Crane? <laughs> hey, Crane. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, so uh, if you've been following us on socials uh, or Instagram, I guess that's a social as well, you know that we have a big thing coming up uh, called the I Sang for Lupus Challenge. Uh, that Shane has initiated, and uh, yeah, we've all done it, so you'll be seeing our videos uh, on Friday, December 8th, uh, when I believe this pod is coming out, um, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about that uh, in the dessert and in the coming days. Yeah, so uh, we're very excited to launch, we're going to have some other, you know, like a live piece to this whole thing that we're going to announce hopefully soon. Yeah, it's a big There's going to be some real promo happening uh, with you guys going on. Is that happening perhaps. on January 19th? Because I think we're going to promote it. We're going on a talk show. Okay, yeah. So I think we're doing a live show. The, the pod is doing a live show. Well, well, we're just saying it now. We're announcing it. <laughs> yeah, go yeah. say it. All yeah. right. The wait is over. <laughs> <laughs> Was the anticipation killing you? Uh, that 30 seconds. So we are doing a live show at the Rivoli uh, in Toronto, Ontario. If you happen to be in town, please come out. Uh, there'll be all sorts of surprises. Uh, I don't know, Max, tell them what's in store. I don't know. You know, uh, a lot of our favorite podcasts will do like live mm -hmm. recordings and when we started talking about it, you and I had a little bit of a brainstorm, and then we thought, hey, we could put together some great bits and, like, a great evening of entertainment. Everybody's I was like, yeah, I don't know. You are like, no, it'll be great. This, this, this. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you'll do stand-up, you'll do a wedding MC bit. And I yeah. was like, oh, okay. So. Exactly. We'll have, we'll have uh, like, a live guest. It'll be great. You're very comfortable performing live, though. Yeah, but we'll be fine. It'll be no different than, like, us just hanging out like we normally do. Also, I want um, a freestyle uh, MC rap battle with, between you and the night. I'm excited for that. Especially, yeah. uh, what's what's the 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 big host who does the rap battles now? I don't know. I don't even know. The guy who does uh, the karaoke in the cars. Oh, oh James Corden. Yeah. James Corden has kind of made these a thing now. Oh, like freestyle? You haven't seen these? No. They're huge. He does. It's like him and members of the Wu Tang Clan. Him with like regular oh, celebrities. This wasn't even our idea. Okay. No, it was our idea. I'm just saying he. He's doing it too. He stole it. He stole it. <laughs> <laughs> and now he does them, and they're this huge viral thing where they get celebrities, and they're pretty mean. Raps too. Okay, so I think that's the good barometer. What's uh, like PC enough to do? Mm -hmm. if, if you just watch a bunch of those, like the Nut and I will review those. But I've been preparing some raps. <laughs> <laughs> has has the Nut agreed to do this yet, Max? Have you talked? I've even him? told him he's going to be finding out via the podcast. I wow, guess. exciting! So at our live show at the Rivoli, Mike Much goes on the road, uh, down the road here from two nine nine Queen Street <laughs> two West. Away. Yeah, and uh, is this going to be an episode that airs, or is this yeah, just for hopefully live? Hopefully, we'll be able to record some. We'll of it. see how. Uh, Offensive the rap battle is. <laughs> yeah, that was actually the first thing that came to mind. There's no way. Like, I was actually worried about I all know, of us doing it. But then, when you try to rhyme stuff, it just is only offensive stuff. But what I realized in these freestyle raps is they're always pre-planned sure. to an extent. And the James Corden one is a perfect example of brutally mean yet still acceptable for network television. Cool. All right. All right. So you'll be seeing all sorts of stuff at the Rivoli on January 19th. It's a Friday night. Uh, we'll have lots of I don't know, ticket information, all that stuff. And ultimately, this is why this show is going to be great, because uh, it's for lupus. It's to raise uh, money and awareness for lupus. That's yeah. why we're doing this. And also, like a... Mike Veerman's stand-up comedy debut. <laughs> yeah. That's not happening. That's no. not happening. No. What? Okay, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll see. Maybe. But what else is going on? Uh, today on the show, we have Vance Joy. Vance Joy, my doppelganger. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You did, you did a photo with him, and uh, there was a really funny comment. Well, I didn't. I send the picture around to you guys to ask for what's good copy. It was a Shane. It was a Shane and line. Then, and then Shane, said, you're letting people behind the curtain of how you yeah, create a process. I'm gonna be honest. When I need a really funny caption for a photo, there's a text group between <laughs> me, Shane, Mike, and Greg, Mike's brother. And I say, give me copy. So I'll just like send a picture, and then they always come up with great. You guys always come up with great ideas. So. Mm. And the, for this one, the, yeah. the caption was, since Vance Joy looks like you, but he's a little bit taller. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying he's hunkier, but the joke oh. was that he is hunkier. Yeah. So we said <laughs> Hot Max is a popular Halloween costume this year. Yeah. It's great. Like, it's great. Yeah. And I think, I could be wrong, is it your most popular Instagram post to date? It's, it's up there. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, this is a good segue because another popular Instagram Arkell's post, not that we're keeping track, was my birthday post because my birthday happened. Uh, Max, happy birthday. Thank you. We're saying yeah. this officially on the pod. Thank you. Because technically it was, a, it was a bit ago. It was, yeah, it was like a week ago yeah. at this point. Um, 31. 31. And so, I sent you a text. You did? No, everyone's very nice. I sent you a text. Yeah. No, thank it's you. It's not guys. a competition. Who Shane. sent you the text first? Not that it is a competition. Like <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you did, actually. Yeah, I thought so. Shane did? I think so. All right, I was busy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so. Okay, so the last week's been kind of crazy uh, because we've had a crazy tour schedule where we did Poughkeepsie, New York, which is kind of outside of New York City, for anybody who's good at geography. Then we went to Syracuse, drove to Buffalo to fly out of there to go to Tampa, and then up to Minnesota, and then down to Tulsa, and now we're home. So it's kind of crazy, and the reason why we did this, these are all holiday shows put on by radio stations, and playing the U.S. radio game is a very competitive one, and if you get an opportunity to play a show for these radio Christmas shows, you do it. And the shows were all very different. Like the one in Tampa was in an amphitheater. The one in Minnesota was like kind of in a hip hop club. But the first one was going to be on my birthday in Poughkeepsie, New York. And we've only played Poughkeepsie, New York one time, like six years ago. And this was, we assumed was going to be like the, probably the smallest show. We were opening for this band, Jay Roddy and the Business, who I've heard of. But I don't know anything about their music, but they're a rock and roll band from Baltimore or whatever. What kind of business was it? Uh, well, they didn't do much business in Poughkeepsie, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what happened was we're, it's the 29th and, uh, my birthday's on the 30th and we're, and we're driving to get there. It's like a full day's worth of travel. It's like, you know, we're on hour eight in the van and I have to call into the radio station to do a little interview to pump up the show. I call and the guy goes, Oh, Hey, uh, uh, I just got an email from Jay Roddy and the business and, uh, I, they don't want to do the show. The ticket sales are too light. <laughs> Whoa. And, and I'm just like, uh, is this on air? No, but it was like, <laughs> a revolutionary <laughs> radio show. And he was like, so I don't know what you guys want to do. And I'm just like sitting in the van with the dudes. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, like it's just wow. a kind of a funny interaction to go between, you know, the dude and the opening band and the program director for the radio station. Usually these conversations would be had months in, in advance and not between so now you and the radio guy are figuring this out. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay, well, just let me know what you guys want to do. And I'm just trying to be a nice, polite guy, just thankful for the opportunity. So we do this, like, kind of, we just interview. And then we, and then we, I get off the phone and I call, like, our radio gal in L.A. And she, like, was, like, gets on the phone. And then they're like, okay, it looks, and she gets back in like half an hour. She looks, looks like Jay Roddy's back in. Their label's pressuring them to do the show because it's radio, it's important. And then, like, half an hour later, it's like, okay, looks like Jay Roddy's now out of the show. They only wanted to do the show if it was a free show, but they were getting their guarantee. And then we're like, okay, I guess they're out. So it was like, we're just going, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. Does this affect whether you guys will do the well, show or not? Well, then we didn't know if the show was even going to happen. Right. Or what. So at the end, they, they pulled out of the show, and we ended up headlining the thing. Wow. And which ended up being a cool show. Like, it was um, really, it was a good, good room. Uh, people traveled from like New York and Albany and like to to come see us and any annoying Hamilton people make the way down? No, but uh, there is a guy um, named Mike who listens to the podcast who who lives in Connecticut, but he's from Hamilton originally, mm -hmm. and he comes to see us in like Washington D.C., New York. He came to this show, but before he texted, he's apologizing, saying, "I'm really sorry if I've ever been that Hamilton guy." <laughs> he's just screaming out at the shows. So shout out to Mike. He's actually a like a beautiful, lovely guy. So thanks um, for listening, Mike. Yeah, thanks for listening. So. So anyway, so that happens. So you do we, this we, show. So we were thinking about: Do we start a band beef with Jay Roddy and the business, <laughs> like kind of Oasis Blur style, like a contrived beef? Well, maybe it's real. They kind of slighted the whole show. They, they kind of screwed you they guys. Kind of screwed. And here's the thing: is on one hand, I think it's. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just rock and roll. Who gives a shit? It's just one show. Who gives a shit? I don't actually care. And, but I'd, I'd also, it'd be kind of, even by virtue of talking about it like this, I'm kind of calling them out. You're putting it out in the world. I'm putting it out in the world. But now I, I might feel bad if there was some real reason. Like, what if, you know, something's going on in their personal lives and, like, they really, like, didn't want to play the show because they had to be at home for some reason. Mm. So that's why you don't do it. Because do you like these guys? I, I've never met them. Okay. Yeah. So that was my birthday. And this is all happening on your birthday. Your actual, the day of your birthday. Uh, yeah. So the show, the show was on the day of my birthday. So... I was feeling like a little, a little sad. I wasn't at home with my friends, and this were kind of Poughkeepsie. There's not much going on at Poughkeepsie, so I called Dan Hamilton, and I said, "Dan, you're the only person who I'd say this to because there's I have no right to be complaining about like not 
having the best birthday day ever because mm-hmm. I have a very fortunate life. You left your birthday boy sash at home <laughs> that you normally wear around on that day? Well, I was joking with the guys in the band. I'm the, I'm, it's my birthday week. You guys have to celebrate it all week long. <laughs> wearing a sash. And uh, Dan, I was like, Dan, when I get home, I want to have like a real birthday. So you start planning that. And he was like, I, I knew you'd, you'd be feeling a little lonely today. So, <laughs> so but, what's the plan? I don't know. Dan's going to put it together when I'm back on the 11th that week. Nice. Yeah. So, so look out for that. Put on Stay our tuned for that. shoes. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. So on this radio tour, I've been really trying my best to really live in the moment and be present. And I got this book on mindfulness. It's actually a family friend who, who wrote this book. And um, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a mindfulness for anybody who's not familiar is, is a very simple premise. You could like Google it, but I'll try to explain it here. It's basically just try not to get carried away with any thoughts and narratives you're telling yourself about what's going on around you and what might happen tomorrow. And then it's just about being mindful of how you're feeling truly at this moment. And if you're feeling anxious, you can say, okay, and just identify that as anxiety. Or if you're feeling happy, oh, that's just, just recognizing what is happening to you right in the moment. Don't bury your, your, your present situation because you're just focused on the future or the past. Or the past or, and telling yourself stories about that. Because a lot of times the stories you tell yourself are not even true right they're mm-hmm. not even reality so it's so it's really trying my best to to live in the moment is that possible though like what you're saying to do well no you have to practice it's like a muscle it's like you got you think it is possible to achieve yeah i, th- I think it, it helps you live a better existence because mm-hmm. a lot of people get anxiety because they just thinking about oh i gotta do this 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 that oh and that person doesn't like me anyway i found it to be really helpful in the last week because we had this crazy travel schedule and, and plane travel kind of gives me anxiety and just these shows were really important, and I was so, I was, and I can get carried away with that in my head. So I was really trying uh, my best to live in the moment, and it was really helping actually. So the the book and these wise words really ringing true with me, and I felt a lot better about the whole week. And I was actually enjoying the time with the guys and the band a lot more, just because I was really trying to just like appreciate the fact, oh, we're doing this thing, and that's kind of cool, and we I should be grateful for all this great stuff that's happened to me instead of getting carried away with anxiety. So anyway, I called Lauren. And I was like, oh, Lauren, this book's been really helpful. I'm practicing mindfulness every day. And then I said, ah, you know, the thing about saying practicing mindfulness, you sound like an asshole, you know? You sound like a real <laughs> asshole. And then Lauren goes, no, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> uh, so she's like, just, I was like, what's another word for this? And she's like, just say live in the moment. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's fair. So we flew up to Minnesota and we played with Run the Jewels in this hip hop club. It was kind of a funny night because there was a couple local bands on, and there was this guy who played uh, before us. He was sort of like this white Jesus-looking dude. I guess Jesus to some would be white. Maybe he's black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. Yeah, never but confirmed. He's sort of this like, hippie-looking dude who turned out to be a rapper. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth when he comes on stage is like, this chick was ridiculous. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just sort of like, whoa, okay. I don't know if you can totally say that. And yeah, we're we all kind of we're gonna bleep it. Yeah, I guess we'll have to bleep it. Chick uh, and yeah, I think he's, he said something like that, but it wasn't like a fun way of saying it. it was. It sort of had a an intensity to it, right? Sure. Uh, you know, some words you can get away with depending on the context. I don't think you can get away with at all. But right. but anyway, the way he said it also kind of felt weird. Black Eyed Peas had a song. I know. That was the title. That was yeah. a different time. They he, also had to change the lyric. Uh, they did. They said, let's... Yeah, let's for the let's, radio edit. Yeah. But, like, that happens often. With, I don't think you can... Even, it's kind of like that Dire even, straight song where you can't get a version anymore with the original thing. Well, my album still has it on. Like like the CD you own? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I think <laughs> they were not able to change that on your CD. <laughs> I think they put, put it, it out they and, then they got, it. and then they got flack for it because the times were changing and then now they wouldn't even be able to start a song with it. I completely forgot it wasn't Let's Get It Started. Yeah, mm-hmm. I completely forgot what the original one was, and I bet you on Apple Music you probably can't get that version. It's probably anymore. just yeah, let's get it started. Yeah, man, that's an interesting test. So this guy has this spinning wheel on the stage where he invites a fan up on stage to spin the wheel, and then whatever it lands on, that's like the prize the fan gets. So he invites these three kind of youngish-looking, like scantily clad girls on stage. They spin the wheel. The win, the prize is a shot out of his boot that he takes out. So the whole thing is a little bit bizarre. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like kind of a little... Is it going over well with the fans? No, actually, there was a girl <laughs> kind of in the VIP standing closest to the stage, the whole set, just giving him the middle finger. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So people were kind of confused. This one woman, for good reason, was outraged by what he was saying and maybe the way he was objectifying these, these girls. So anyway, show ends, whatever. We go upstairs to the dressing room, and uh, where it's a shared dressing room. 
and I was charging my phone. We were kind of going back and forth between watching the bands, come back to the dressing room. And then I come back to get my charger, but this guy is using my charger. White Jesus. White Jesus. So then I had to kind of think to myself, like, do I just take, his, take the charger out, put it in my pocket, and leave the phone there, or, uh, or do I let him keep charging? I'm like, ah, you know what? If I were him, I'd, I'd want the charge, right? Because I get anxiety when your phone's low. So I leave it there. So I come back, and the charger's not there anymore. So then I look around. The room's pretty empty at this point. I see he had his girlfriend there. I see her purse is sitting on top of a jacket, and the charger is just dangling out of the purse. And it's this long, and it's a long cord. It's like a, it's the like the the meter cord, and which is the yeah. you know so yeah it's, you it's know distinct, it's your charger yeah, distinctly mine. So I'm kind of looking around, run the jewels are just about to play. I'm like, hey, fuck, I got, it's my charger. I'm gonna take it. So I take it, put it in my pocket, go back to the hotel. Turns out my charger was in the other pocket. I oh, stole his charger. Wow. <laughs> But still, now he has yours, you have his. No, no, no. No, no. He I, stole it out of her purse. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I had my own charger with me the, whole the whole time. time. Oh. He now has two chargers, and one of them came out of this woman's purse. <laughs> so the conundrum I have is, do I... This is a very Larry David-esque situation. I well, one member of the band pointed out, I was like, oh, that's karma for saying we're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, maybe our listeners can... Uh, do I you know, send them a note on Instagram apologizing and e-transferring them $40? Or? It's a good question, yeah. You I know, don't know. Car, you know, maybe maybe the right thing to do would be to come clean and send them some money. Yeah. Or maybe I give the charger to someone in need. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing I just want to say is, yeah, so we play with Cold War Kids uh, and Phoenix in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Legendary venue called Kane's Ballroom. Phoenix is one of our heroes. I got to meet this, uh, the band uh, briefly. I and mean, we met them in the spring when we played Shaky Knees with them, but we talked to them again. And they're just amazing. And I'll say this. Most bands that have, you know, that are professional think that they're better than every other band. Like, mm-hmm. that's sort of, like, kind of the confidence that you kind of need to have. You're like, oh, yeah, that band's cool, but we're better than them. Sure. Oh, that band, whatever. We're definitely not better than Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix is the best. <laughs> like, they're so great, and I was just loving every minute. So shout out to Phoenix for inspiring us, uh, you know, for the last 10 years. Today on the show, guys, we have Vance Joy. My doppelganger. That's Actually, right. Actually, you know what? I'm going to see Vance in two days. Really? We're playing with him in San Diego. On oh. Saturday, actually, or three days, yeah. Uh, well, you, I think you might have brought that up in the yep. interview. So right. this is uh, one of the rare interviews where Max sat in. Uh, so it's Max, Vance, uh, and myself. And uh, Vance is a really sort of laid-back, charming Australian dude. There's a few times where we had a laugh out of asking him if he was, you know, nervous about going on tour with Taylor Swift early on in his career. And he just very, you know casually is like no not really i just thought it would all work out you know (laughs) it ended up being a little tougher than i thought you know and and we're just laughing through the whole thing because there's something very charming about the way he's like you know i just don't overthink things yeah uh he's very mindful yeah that's what practicing mindfulness is about right not overthinking it's not about not overthinking but it's not getting carried away with things that are like sort of out of your control and creating narratives that might not exist was it yes or no, Max? No. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I don't know. I can't say. I can't speak for Vance if he if he practices that. But he he doesn't have. He doesn't like seem to carry like a burden that other people just naturally carry. And this was his second time on the show. We're we're getting to the point now, guys, uh, in our podcast um, career where we're getting a lot of repeat guests. You know, we've had lights as uh, someone that's returned to the show. We've now had Vance Joy. We might have another returning guest uh, coming up in a couple of weeks that will be very exciting. But we'll leave that as a tease since Ooh. we've given everything. You don't even know. I can't remember. Commander Chris Hadfield. Oh, he's coming back. Think so. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Not that much has changed about outer space, but <laughs> it's still out there. <laughs> I'm sure we can find things to talk about. But what you need to know is on uh, Friday, December 8th, which will probably be the day that this gets released, um, we are singing for lupus. The I Sang for Lupus Challenge. Uh, all of us will have a video up of us singing earnestly and unironically one of our favorite songs. Uh, so, again, we nominate all of you guys. Uh, so please do it. Please partake. It's for a great cause. And I think we're going to get to Advanced Joy. You guys ready? Uh, so I play in a band, Arkells, and we have, oh, we've done some shows together. Yeah, yeah. How's it all going? That's rad. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, normally I miss the interviews. I uh, help prepare some of the questions, but, oh, but right. when we're off, off the road, I can be at these things. Oh, sick. Yeah. What, um, what's next for you guys? Are you playing some shows? We're doing uh, a North American run starting next fr- 
Thursday. We're playing Detroit, oh, Chicago, St. Louis. But we're actually doing San Diego with you. Yeah, we're doing that, that, that radio thing. Yeah, the 91X. Oh, uh, that's show. cool. Oh, yeah. Rad. Yeah, so that should be cool. Yeah, it's good. When did you get into town? Uh, yesterday afternoon. Nice. So, show tonight, then Montreal, then done tour. Then come back for these radio shows. Oh, okay. It'd be cool. nice if we lived like here or in America just for those. Because we go back to Australia for two weeks and then come back. Well, like, we're going to ask. Yeah. If, if we, one of our questions was if you have a place in North America yet because you're here yeah. so often. I haven't got a place, but I would. I mean, I like Canada and stuff. I feel like Australians and Canadians have a slightly kind of similar. There's an Australian vibe. colony actually in Whistler, British Columbia. Everybody oh, yeah. who works there is an Australian. Yeah. Who, they're just like ski bums. for. They'll, they'll stay for like three years. You can't get rid of them. What is yeah, this, Lake yeah. Louise? No, or Whistler. Whistler. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Whistler is like north of Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my um, my manager, Rachel, skis and she goes to, is it Big White or something? Oh, yeah, no, something. Something like that. And she says like, it's like, she's like, I feel like I'm in Australia when I'm up there. So many, oh, yeah. so many Aussies. Yeah, so yeah, I think somewhere around here, but I... Next yeah. step is to get a place in North America. Yeah, get a place and then I would at least, you know, I think if if uh, if I like, if my family was here, it would be, it'd be different and it would be awesome. But uh, everyone's back in Australia. All my yeah. close friends are there. So I have to make that trip. Yeah. We've never actually made the trip and I just, the trip to Europe is long enough for me. And then uh, oh. thinking about getting in Australia, 24 hours and a plane, it was just. Hey man, he's only going me. back for two weeks. Where, where in Australia are you from? In Melbourne. A Melbourne, okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's where I grew up, and I still live there. And um, at the moment, uh, I still live at my parents' house, so it's like uh, oh, nice rent free, man. Rent free. Why would you be paying rent when you're away it, half the time? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I like honestly never really honestly. I don't properly unpack my suitcase when I come home. So I felt like for a year I didn't even unpack it properly. It was just like it's kind of like that was my that's where I put my washing. And that's where it kind of like comes out. So it's you all travel with a big suitcase. Big guy, big, big guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. Because I put a skateboard in there because I like to skateboard like around sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, carried uh, folding bicycles on tour when we go on tour. I've heard about those, Which yeah. is uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads. He has a whole thing on biking around cities. And, yeah. And he has like a, a, like a really awesome custom shop folding oh. bike that. And so it's good if you want to explore the city. Same for a skateboard, mm. I suppose. Yeah, bikes are a bit better though, like bit like quicker and also like quieter. I kind of like that. If you get a cruising board with big wheels, that's the that's what I think I need to get. Like yeah. super, super silent, like cruising around the streets. But that bike thing is like, that's a good idea. Yeah, and we've rented a lot of bikes actually too. Like in, in Europe, you can rent bikes on, on mm. like a daily rate for pretty cheap. It's pretty, yeah, pretty handy. When you're t- like traveling with one bag all the time, if you go shopping on the road, like oh, I like that coat or I like that those pants, does that mean something has to leave the bag that you brought with you? It's good. This is like good. Yeah, no, exactly. This is the these are the daily struggles and like trying to pack your bag when you've been in a hotel for a few days and it's like far out. Like I need like an hour and like <laughs> punishing your back, like trying to squeeze this thing together. Uh, yeah, I think it's like one in, one out. One in, one in, one out, and like just like you realize that like you have to be pretty cutthroat. Um, books are brutal. You can't really take books around. Um, but yeah, the skateboard's a bit of it. Probably for the amount of time I actually spend skateboarding, like three, <laughs> three days out of like 90 day tour, it's like, was it really, Was did I really need to carry this giant lump of wood and metal in my bag? Yeah. yeah. So. I'm uh, I'm gotten to the point where I hardly take anything with me. I just like I'll just go to H and M and buy some underwear, or I'll ask the front desk for a ho- <laughs> for a toothbrush. Yeah, I was getting salty when they tried to charge me for the toothbrush. <laughs> I'm like, this should be free. It should be free. Yeah, most of them are, but occasionally the three, three, or four dollars. Sneaky. What can you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's start into this interview. I'm kind of liking what we're talking yeah, about right yeah, now. Yeah, you know? <laughs> this is the nitty gritty. If you want to know the mechanics of touring, man. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What's your phone plan like when you're in North America? My is it phone is killer? Plan, <laughs> it's a killer plan. Actually, my phone works better in America than it does in Australia because I just keep my American number on when uh, I come okay. back to Australia. And it's like my internet, it's nice when I come back here. I'm like, yeah, internet actually works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and internet is so much better here anyway. I know that this is a tangent, but Australia is trying to set up like a broadband network where we have like proper cable, internet, whatever sure. it's called. But we just haven't got it. So our country is like super slow internet. So you come here and it's like, hmm. Well, you know, that's the thing about America. It's the land of the free, home of the brave and unlimited fries and awesome <laughs> winter internet. Yeah. Because <laughs> even in Europe, they're, they're a lot more stingy with it and it's mm. expensive. But North America, anywhere you go, there's yeah. free Wi-Fi spots and just good connections. Nice exactly. And fast, that you LTE. get those big fat American hotel beds too. Europe, they're much smaller. Yeah, yeah. Europe, the, everything is much more pint-sized. Yeah. And the pillows are weird in Europe too. It's like the word square. Have you spent much time over there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get in a double bed and there's two dunas. Yeah. Like, but I kind of like that. I like that. I feel like that's like clear. It's like, why should we fight over dunas? Like, let's just have a duna for 
person A and person B when they're sharing their bed. And also just like it's nice just like having a big bed and a whole side to yourself. And maybe the bed's bigger here and I had a bad sleep the other night. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm more passionate about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. top of mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So last time we spoke was like, like October 2015, actually, and you were doing the Taylor Swift tour. Yeah. So I guess like since then, now you've been touring nonstop and you're playing rooms that are that big, mm. you know, like venues at that level. When you're opening a tour like that back then, do you pick up a lot of tricks that you then apply to, you know, your life now and as you play bigger rooms and larger uh, venues? Um, I think I definitely learned a lot on that tour. I think I started out probably not being uh, – I mean, I was much more probably shy on stage and I, I'm not like, you know, crazy out there when I'm on stage but I still think that like I've definitely grown in confidence over over that tour and then over doing my own tour um, at the start of last year. So I think it was just like playing to that many people kind of like – it's like how do you communicate with a, a big audience like that? Like I felt like I had to like kind of learn to come out of my shell a little bit, maybe s smile or at least kind of just have some kind of presence. And I don't know how you actually make that happen. It Maybe it's just from playing gig after gig after gig, trying things, trying to engage with people who've never heard your music. and Yeah, win them uh, over. Win them over a bit, maybe try a couple of things like uh, crowd interaction things and that was super scary to try that stuff. But um, I think it was, yeah, really – yeah, super like a big learning experience and um, just watching her. I mean, I don't know if I got any t tips like directly like but also just watching her, I'm like, wow, that's how honed someone can become, like how their their presence on stage and how like perf how much they can perfect their craft is like her, her on display was kind of an example of that. Sure. Yeah, I remember the first time we played the Danforth where you're playing mm -hmm. tonight. And it was one of our bigger gigs. This was a few years ago. Mm. And our booking agent, who's never really given much creative advice, Jack mm. Ross, he he said, just remember the people in the last row. Just, like, try to mm. look at them and just mm. think about them or acknowledge them. Mm. And I always keep that in mind when we've played big shows. And we've done a hometown show at a stadium. And I mm. was like, I couldn't even see the people on the top mm. row. But I'm just thinking, how's everybody doing in the top row? Yeah, and then yeah. we've gotten feedback where people go, thanks for thinking about us all the way back there. And Springsteen yeah, yeah. does that so yeah, well, right? Yeah. He makes everybody feel like he's just talking to you even mm. if there's 10,000 people there. And I love that. Yeah. So I'm always telling like, okay, remember the people over there and to your left and to your right and all the way at the back. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, how much, I'm actually getting back to sort of when you get a tour, like opening for Taylor Swift and you say there's so much to learn and, and you know, obviously time and reps get you better at whatever you mm -hmm. do in when, any profession. But when you got that tour back then, were you like, holy shit, I'm kind of like, I don't really know how to do this. Like, mm. was there a nervousness or were you the sort of person that's like, I am excited for this challenge? Uh, I was excited. I also didn't think I t fully understood what it would be like. So yeah. I was like, I was like, cool, yeah, sweet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the I'm most like, charmed man alive. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I'm like, wow, this is pretty lucky. And <laughs> I, I don't think I fully understood what it would be like. And I thought I probably uh, had a, uh, probably wrongly assumed that it would be kind of easy. Like I thought, oh, you know, just Taylor Swift fans seem really enthusiastic and they're just like, I'll just go and play my songs and I'm a boy. So like boys <laughs> seem to appeal to girls. So I don't know. And I thought maybe that'll work. But I actually found it that I had to really actually put a lot more effort in and, and uh, really come out of my shell more than I was used to. I used to like look at my feet and play. Yeah. So it was, that was, yeah. Trial that's, by that's fire. The, yeah, exactly. So I think... Had I known what was ahead of me, maybe I would have been better prepared or at least I would have been more apprehensive. But I was thinking I was just like, oh, it's going to be good, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's something nice about the the ignorance of it. Yes. You don't even know. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, it's like how can you be nervous? Yeah, exactly. I'm glad I didn't stew over it for a while and I just, you know, that first – that I played that first show and the manager's like, cool, so um, just need to like look at the crowd or like, you know, Taylor Swift's <laughs> manager's like, we just need to talk to this guy and like uh, – <laughs> That was scary, but like at least I at least I got hit with that first week, and then did uh, she yeah. uh, offer any words of wisdom? Uh, no, not directly. Or is she just kind of a cheerleader, like in terms of she's yeah, she was lovely, yeah, yeah like a cheerleader, like, like a positive, just, yeah, positive force and like uh, just super friendly, and she always gave me really you know great shout outs. And in Melbourne when we played our last show, which was my hometown, she gave me a big you know shout out, which was extra 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 shout out, and. Uh, met my parents and it was uh, really cool that's I was cool because like, the whole family's yeah. at that show and whole family's at that show and she she like laid it on and it was like you legend yeah man that's she's amazing. always good about it. you always see those internet stories about her like sending flowers to somebody you're just going that extra mile to, yeah just to be a decent mm -hmm. human citizen yeah so. well, you know you seem like a really laid-back guy sort of in general you know 
does anything agitate you and what does if it does uh i think if i if i don't have much sleep i think like sleep is the key to like the next day's performance and stuff and if you uh. if you've had a full night's sleep you can kind of do anything and you can still do anything but just like takes a little bit more uh coffee helps uh but how many I get, per day do you got what's your I honestly need just one. Just if it's, one. If it's a hard day, then like maybe two. But I, I mean, like if it's a day off, I, I really like indulge and I have like three coffees. But <laughs> what's your uh, sleep per night? I like I need, a good eight. I love a good eight, but I mean, like on the tour bus, like as you as you know, it's like go to bed late, wake up late. So sometimes it's like go to bed at like two and wake up at one in the afternoon. Oh, it's almost like, twelve hours. Yeah, oh. yeah. But I some, I think if your body takes it, it it's got to need it. I think so. Oh, yeah, Ariana. I was actually talking about this last night with somebody, Ariana Huffington. Huffington Post. She has a whole book on the virtues of sleep. People and, underestimate sleep. Yeah, like oh, athletes, yeah. they, they basically they say that you know guys when they're younger they get into like say the NBA or something like that. They don't appreciate how valuable it is to get a good night's sleep in order to perform mm. properly. And I think that applies to anybody because mm. you know mentally, physically, it's just like to be prepared. Totally. Are you um, are you into like meditation or or, or any sort of like mindfulness ideas? I would like to think uh, that is ahead of me. Like I know that I. I I was listening to a David Lynch podcast and he was talking about how he likes to meditate, transcendental meditation yeah. and stuff. And I was like, that'd be something to explore. I think I've got some mindfulness, but I really don't mark out space to sit down and just go mm-hmm. man- mantra, meditate. And I think that maybe that's something I should do. We uh, we played with you in uh, Detroit in Mopop. Mm. And I noticed oh, that's you were, so rad that first week. Yeah, it was a good one, right? And I noticed you were, looked uh, very serene sitting by the water under a tree reading a book. Yeah, maybe that was mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a way to sort of, you know, disconnect from technology a little mm. bit and just like have some alone time. Yeah. I don't know. Do you read a lot? Well, I, cra- I, I read a bit and I, I crave that alone time after a couple of days in New York. I was busy doing lots of meetings and <clears throat> or whatever and shows and promo. And then, yeah, and I'm... It, it might not be meditation, but it's kind of meditation, like reading a book and sitting down. It's like you're not looking at your phone too much, even though it's like maybe a page page or two, then you look at your phone. <laughs> but at least you're breaking <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, I'm, you're very it's honest. Not, it's, not, it's not pure phone. It's not pure phone meditation. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That was cool though. I loved that, sitting by the water there and there was the masseuse like next to us. Yeah, yeah she was lovely. It was yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, when you get the masseuse at the festivals, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I actually went to a vocal coach for the first time. And have you ever done any vocal training? Uh yeah. I just just warm up warm up uh, techniques, which yeah, is super I, important. Yeah. See, I'm just learning this. I just, like went last week for the first time. It's very embarrassing. I've been in a band for ten years. I've never done it. But she said you get a lot of tension in your hmm. in your neck and back and like if you get a masseuse to work that out at the festival, really. Yeah, it totally helps. Yeah. Muscles in your neck all around and I do my warm ups every time I sing and I lost my voice for two months because I was so so burnt out after 2013, like just a bunch really? of touring. Wow. And two months I couldn't sing high notes. And it might have been a mental thing as well, just being overworked. But uh, how, how, how long do you uh, warm up for? About uh, at least seven, seven minutes or something, yeah. five, five minutes, five or seven minutes. And uh, then I just sing a couple of lines. And, yeah, it, I think it's kind of essential just to even mentally prepare yourself. Sure, yeah. 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 Well, to get back to the new single. Yeah. Um, who produced that? This is produced by Dave Bassett. Dave Bassett. Um, he's a guy who works, he lives in Malibu and he um, he's done a bunch of songwriting and production. He actually, he's written songs with L King. Yeah. He wrote a song with uh, Rachel Platten, which is called Fight Song. Oh, that oh yeah, song. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So he's like a, he's like a pop writer, but he's also done like stuff with like, uh, there's a band called Shine Down. It's like a, like a, a heavy band, right? Heavy band, yeah. They're Atlantic Man, I think. Too, I right? think so, yeah, yeah, from back in the day. And, like, so he's done, like, he's got, like, quite an array, uh, array of work that he's done. And uh, I went in with him uh, and, um, yeah, I just, like, he, it's kind of super quick produce production. It's, like, the room is, like, maybe this big, which wow. is small. This is, like, an office, like, pretty, not a huge control room. And then, like, it's in his house and then there's a small room. So we do the drums at, like, Sunset Sounds in L.A. and then just spend a couple of days doing the other stuff. And I just love that kind of quick like bang, 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 cool. Well, when you've had the success that you've had, like with Riptide, I'm sure there's like a million producers that want to work with you and get on sort of the next mm. single and all that. Did you have a lot of people coming at you and saying, hey, man, like, let's do this, let's do this? And how picky <clears throat> are you about choosing that and sussing out who you want to work with next? Yeah. Um, I let my A&R guy, Stefan Atlantic, oh. he kind of like will just suggest people. And I'm like, cool. Like, you look at this guy. We worked with a guy called Phil Eck and you work with uh, – he's he did um, he did like the shins and – Yeah. Uh, did he do um, 
Fleet Foxes too, I think. He did Fleet yeah, Foxes, yeah. yeah. So he's like got, you know, amazing body of work. So we did a few songs with him and then um, basically we, we kind of didn't commit to one producer for the album just because I felt like I was writing I – was, I only had three songs so I'd go do those three with this producer and then come back home, write a few more maybe and then take them to someone else and it was never like um, – yeah, and, and it felt right to do it with Dave because um, – yeah, I just liked his vibe and we'd done some co-writing before and it's like it just felt like I liked the sound that he did on those demos when we wrote together. So he um, he was a good clear choice for that. Um, but I think with producers as well, like there is sometimes a sense of like there's the A&R communicating with them and then there's also you. So if, you, if you're like in direct message with your producer and they're like, when are you going to come back and hang out and like re- record more songs? It's kind of like it's the reality of – I think having that relationship and it's it's maybe a reality of being in a band and it's like you're like oh yeah I don't have any songs but um, cool and like and it's like you're friends and you know that you can do great work together but until you have a song to bring to them it's kind of like there's really not much to work on not much to work with and also like maybe it's another added pressure because you're like ah oh, like fuck I don't have any songs I was like it's like <laughs> like they send you a message like let's go do some stuff it's like cool I better write a song because the producer's ready to write, record, you know? It's like, it's a funny thing. But I think those pressures are always going to be there no matter what. And so, yeah. That was one thing we were talking about is what's uh, the most fruitful creative space for you to be writing? Because I know you're a busy boy on mm. the road. Like, what's... Uh, like, are you writing on the road, like, when you find time? Or are you the sort of guy who, like, needs to go to a cabin in the woods and, like, hunker down to really sort of yeah. get it out? Uh, I think um, I think I've, I've been productive at home. Um, living in Melbourne and also, you know, I've written a couple of songs on the road so there's no d- definite answer. Like, you I you have like no one method. No one method. That's, I think, I think smart because the more precious and superstitious you get, the more yeah. fucked up you'll get too. Yeah. yeah. I definitely have been superstitious before about it. Yeah, and that's why I, I try to be like – I was just before this interview, I went over to the music store and I was like, maybe I can come up with something sweet in 15 minutes. And I got a couple cool little ideas, but sometimes yeah. like just, all right, I got 15 minutes. I'm in a random room with a guitar and then I'll put in a voice memo together and like, oh, there might be something there. I like that. I think those little moments can be, can be super, can lead to great things. Like uh, you might just have a little, little idea and it's like, you don't have to write the whole song, but just that little snippet. And I've written snippets here and there and maybe you need to go home to just like see if you can connect any of those snippets, but yeah, and you yeah. listen back and you go, oh yeah, that thing was actually kind of cool that mm. I came up with, like in a random music store in drama yeah. or something. What uh, lyrics do you? Uh, how, how do you do that? Um, I just write into my phone. Really, I just yeah. like be reading a book and I'll just see a line I like and write it into my phone, and then go back over the voice memos and just see if there's anything there, or sometimes transpose it into a diary um, and write write out lyrics. And um, so you just have a, like on a. On a and on your notepad on your phone, just like yeah. a little idea. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Like I'd say 70% of them are, when I look back, I'm like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, but yeah. But then you can, there's some good shit yeah. in there as well. There's always a lot of crap. It's like a lot of mediocrity in there. And it's like you look through it and you spend like an hour looking through all your notes and you're like, okay, two sentences. But at least I think that's a that's just the way it is and you just try and reduce it down to like is there a few good lines there and a few good words and if you can – that's just the way I think it's, it's always going to be like it's going to be not it's not always going to be like heaps of great stuff it's always yeah. going to be like not much great stuff but you got to just well the trick sift, is just sift, doing it sift through it yeah yeah we did um, a thing for uh, Neil Young he was just inducted to the Canadian Songwriter oh, Hall wow. of Fame at Massey Hall and we played got to play two songs for him oh, Cinnamon Girl and Keep on Rocking the Free World and he came up and had a speech and he was talking about songwriting and he was like you know, it's just like uh, waiting for the rabbit to come out of the hole. You, every day you just got to show up and just hope the rabbit comes out. <laughs> I love and that. Like, I never heard that. He has one similar where he's like, it's like going fishing. Sometimes you go fishing, you don't come back with anything. Sometimes you come back with a big one. Sometimes you come back with a medium-sized one. But you just got to go fishing every day. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I lo- I've, I've heard the fishing one as well. I love the rabbit in the hole. You just keep going to the hole. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing with musicians in general is like everyone gets into it because it's fun to f- around on a guitar. Mm-hmm. You can sing a song, entertain a couple ladies maybe at a house yeah. party. Uh, yeah, he's just talking about himself yeah. right now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just a personal anecdote. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then when you reach a level of success and sort of enter into a professional realm, it's like, oh, you know, writing music is now something that I can't just do when it's sort of fun. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to have the discipline to sort of force yourself to keep doing it, going to that rabbit yeah. hole. Was that a hard adjustment for you to make as you became more successful? Um, I think it, I think it, I think it can, there's definitely pressures and, uh, and things you need to adjust to when you're like, you know, maybe you think, oh, these are all the songs when you're like record labels, like 
more songs or yeah. we don't feel like this is a single single or you need a single or something. And that kind of those kind of discussions are always kind of like stressful and <laughs> yeah, painful. Oh yeah, I know. And like you like <laughs> they can be like, "Oh, do you mean the thing I just poured out my heart and soul for?" And you, you're kind of shrugging. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's one of the things and like that can at least it might, it might even like strengthen the fire in your belly when you like you, re, you meet that resistance. Yeah. Um to just like be like, oh no, I know what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I I think with songwriting though, it's a bit addictive. Like you're saying, like you're just like, you know, you're gonna keep coming back there to that rabbit hole anyway because you're just kind of like it's compelled. You com- you feel compelled to do it, and like it's not so much a choice. You kind of just like you're gonna be f- around on the guitar anyway. Yeah. Um. So that's something that I I think at least I know that it's kind of like you're compelled. It's almost like instinctual just to like pick up a guitar and try and write something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that, that way it doesn't feel like I'm being, I don't, I don't ever feel like it's work, you know, to be like, I better go do it. And I, I probably did feel a bit that way like before. And I might feel that way again when I've, you know, got a, I've got a deadline and it's like, you've got to write a new song. But um, yeah, I think the best stuff happens when you're not trying too hard. So it's like, you can't really, try and force it too hard because yeah. I don't feel like the best stuff always comes at you sideways. Like you're not, you're not like just trying to stare it down and chase it down like directly. It's like, oh, there's a new, I oh, have this new idea. It's like, it's obviously nothing special. And then it's like, oh, maybe that's a little fish or maybe it's like a bigger fish. Who knows what kind of fish it is, but it'll, at least it's something you can take home and yeah. Yeah. And there's no deeper sense of satisfaction than like mm. coming up with something you're like, yes, like of all the like, little bits of dopamine mm. you get all day from this or that, nothing is deep and real is like mm. i have a song like that yeah, yeah. that's like the best feeling yes yeah. i totally agree yeah it's like nothing compares okay, right, so that's, what, that's what keeps coming you make keeps you coming back right yeah. like you do it once or twice and you're like you're, you're an addict that's so, the drug that's yeah. the drug yeah yeah well thanks for your time man. Yeah. i really appreciate it. we've been appreciate given it. the wrap it up so we got to keep you okay. moving yeah pleasure talking to you guys yeah thanks, again. thanks, thanks for having me Welcome to the dessert. We are joined by our friend and pop culture, pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what's going on? Update on the mm. test results from the amniocentesis uh, from my pregnant wife. They came back as a false positive. What it means is there are no abnormalities with my child-to-be, which is going to be a girl. That's great news. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to take this time to thank everyone who uh, reached out to me. Uh, which was quite a lot of people, a lot of people I didn't know. And I uh, even wanted to thank the people who didn't reach out to me, um, uh, Greg Veerman and Matt McPeak, who who I felt their love from afar. Although they were in my wedding party, I know I was in their thoughts. Their unheard thoughts. But there was a large outpouring of of, uh, concern and love from people, I felt like, just on our social media and and people listening to the pod that know us, you know, like you said, uh, people around the office and and all sorts of places. And I'm kidding, of course. Uh, I don't expect anyone to reach out. And it is kind of an awkward thing when uh, when that's going on. And I wouldn't know how to behave. Maybe Greg and, and Matt McPeak are working on a joint letter that they're going to send you. Sometimes it's easier to write it down than say it. Yeah, probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now that that uh, chapter is put to bed, I thought we'd talk about the real thing going on right now. Which what's, is... what's the real thing going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> Not your first uh, pregnancy well, ever. No. Well, we can't harp on it forever, you sure. know. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be a big three-episode thing. Um, <laughs> you know, we're pursuing Nathan Fielder. Yeah. Wait, let me record this. We're pursuing Nathan Fielder for the big guest, possibly for our 100th episode. I do not know. And we're getting on some morning talk shows now. That's right. For the Lupus Challenge. That's right. It's exciting. Which you both have done yours. Yeah. We've done our Lupus. Uh, I sang for Lupus Challenge. That's right. We've we've recorded them. They're going to go up on December 8th, which is when you'll most likely be listening to this podcast. Not that they weren't good because they were great. It's just your guys are l- probably less exciting and interesting because you guys have such good voices, that I think the, the key to this is people who don't typically sing, singing. Get and out I, of your comfort zone. And I think that's the endearing, kind of cool, fun part that would give this any virulosity, should it take off. And to increase our chances, we're nominating celebrities. Yeah. You nominated... DeMar DeRozan, Melissa Merck, and J.R. Diggs. 
that's who I nominated. And DeMar DeRozan, of course, a uh, superstar for the Raptors, and his mom suffers from lupus. He's affiliated with the Lupus uh, Foundation of Canada. Yeah. So we're hoping that he can participate. And who did you nominate, Max? I did Lights, Shamar Moore, and Just Rain. Yeah. Just Rain. So, who has better abs, Lights, Shamar Moore, or Just Rain? <laughs> There's a lot of abs in that group right yeah. there. Yeah. I would assume Just Rain does not have abs. No. Maybe. He seems like a sneaky, ambitious guy who, like, works out all the time. Just doing crunches when he's not making viral videos. <laughs> yeah. While he's making viral videos. Yeah. He could he, just do a video of crunches and it would go viral. Yeah. But are you guys wondering why I'm filming you right now? Yes, a little odd. <laughs> but Max is, of course, acting because we were... <laughs> okay, let me let me explain this. Yes, yeah, so, sorry. For our listeners, he's holding a little mini video camera right now. It's, it looks like, it's like a little cube with a lens on it, and it's like a GoPro. It's a GoPro. It, most people know what a GoPro is. This is an imitation GoPro by the brand Cobra. And you're uncomfortably filming Max and I as you speak right now. Yeah, it's an... In the Arkells band. It's an, adventure, yeah. <laughs> it's an adventure HD camera. The reason I have this camera in the first place is I've been working at Bell Media for 10 years, and they give you a gift every five years. So I wanted to get the most expensive gift in the booklet. <laughs> that They give you a little pamphlet with... Naturally. It. Yeah. So... It's a good play. And, you know, I have, I have a baby coming out in a few months... <laughs> Coming, coming out, out like some movie. <laughs> she drops in about yeah, five she, months. Literally, she drops May twelfth. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, this will be our like baby camera, and I'm gonna make a little documentary, document the child's life, and this will be like our, you know, when you're young, your dad has like a height camera or something. My dad didn't, but I mine didn't. No, yeah. Better fathers. <laughs> It'd be awesome if my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I'm gonna be like video dad. And then I got into actually looking at the footage that this thing films. And Cobra should be so ashamed of themselves <laughs> that they're giving this to employees for, you know, who've put in 10 years of service. This is the shittiest camera I've ever seen in my life. To call this HD is a joke. Like, I don't even know if the acronym HD is what they... Like, it doesn't stand for high definition. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think of something funny, but maybe it'll come to me later and we'll edit it in. Huge dump. Because <laughs> that, that's honestly... It's the, a Cobra huge dump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, what do I do with this thing? Alex suggested I throw it out. Because we did start... In the initial phases of this, Alex and I were excited and filming little videos with this. Then once I looked at it, we were like, oh, no. So then I thought, maybe it would be funny or interesting, and this could be a huge bore, to do a little doc on... My stepdad, Brad, uh, <laughs> filming his lupus challenge. I sang for lupus challenge. Right. right. So stepdad Brad's singing his I sang for lupus challenge, and you're going to do a behind-the-scenes doc on the making of? Yeah, I guess it's going to start out with Alex and I's excitement over the camera, and then it's going to devolve <laughs> into us not giving a shit about it anymore, and then it's going to go into Brad doing his lupus challenge because that's really the only thing I can find use for this at this point. Are you going to submit this doc to TIFF? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> this is going to be a huge bore, maybe. I was a little bit inspired by, you know, Nathan Fielder's Thinks Outside the Box, and he did this Finding Francis doc, and it's two hours long. It was really inspiring. And I was like, okay, what would Nathan do if he got a really shitty product? He might do something different with it, and I don't know expose Cobra for the horrible manufacturers yeah. that they are. <laughs> Maybe you got a lemon. No, I looked it up. Oh. There are so many complaints. About okay. This I'll, oh, I'll get really? into it in the doc. You should do a, you should do a doc and you should go visit their headquarters and, yeah. and interview the man, like the people. Who yeah, get to the decisions. head of the snake. Well, yeah, I, but, but it will be all be shot on a hidden Cobra. Well, what I'm thinking of... <laughs> well, is that a cobra hat, sir? It's just on the front. It's hissing. Yeah. <laughs> but what I was... But it's the camera malfunctioning. <laughs> but what I was thinking was maybe just owning it. And maybe we get a cobra sponsorship. Who knows? And this is like the official... Good luck now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I make like little docs with this camera yeah. for Mike on Much. And just it's like filmed with... Cobra HD Adventure Cam. Yeah. And we just make a total lark of it and kind of troll them in a fun, funny way. Yeah, well, it would be like your own distinct aesthetic because it sounds like nobody else is using Cobras at all. So it's not, it's, it's not like a 
like a popular look, right? Everything you film has like a yellowish grain <laughs> to it. It looks like it's from like the 80s. See, it sounds like a cool Instagram filter to me. Yeah, see, yeah. there you go. Max is learning the positives. Maybe that uh, sponsorship is still possible. Right. And you know how we usually end with a, a big laugh. Yeah. So I wanted to play it for you guys just because um, Brad has pretty high goals for who he's nominating uh-huh. for his uh, – I sang for Lupus Challenge. Okay, I got you. He really shot for the stars on the people he nominated. So I'm hoping, although it's very fake, you guys could give me a laugh, and then I could edit it in at the point where Brad nominates his people. Okay. Okay, let's do it. And I apologize if this is extremely boring and fruitless, because I do not know how the edit's going to turn out. (laughs) It'll be fine. It'll be good. So I just got a text message from Shane. He's going to be home really soon. Uh, today he celebrated his 10-year anniversary with Belle, and they've given him this gift. Hey, baby. Hello. <laughs> you excited? You know what it is? Did I tell you? The camera, right? Well, there's only one way to find out. Big occasion. GoPro style camera. A style camera. Well, it's not official GoPro, but it is a... See how that's a Cobra there? Let's see. This is a Cobra. Hold on. Oh, yeah. That's a Cobra sound. Editor's note, it's 12.30 a.m. right now. I'm still at work. This doc is a lot of work. And the more I got into the footage, the more I realized I actually want to make this documentary half good, which is kind of funny given the stupid subject matter of it. So I won't be able to make the deadline for this episode, and I will show you this doc when it is finished, which is hopefully next week. Anyway, I will cut straight to my stepdad, Brad, doing his I Sang for Lupus challenge, and you can hear who he nominated. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, over the hills we go, laughing all the way. Okay, and I would like to uh, nominate three other people, and one of them is the band ZZ Top, and the drummer for Metallica, Lars Ulrich, and... Paul McCartney from the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) Brad. (laughs) All right, that's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. The Mike on Much podcast can be found online on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Huge thanks to Jenna Gregory and Tara Paquette for putting together the artwork. Huge thank you to Webmaster Dan. Please leave a comment in the ratings for iTunes. It helps the show grow. Tell your friends about it. Thanks for Vance Joy for coming on the Michael Much Podcast. It's produced by Max Kerman, and I'm your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week. We don't die on the weekend.